Okay. That was really loud. Okay, Lions Roar Podcast, episode three of Ari and I. Um, Ari, what's up? Um, Today, no guests, nothing special. Just getting, getting back on the mic. If you heard in the previous, not episode, but previous posting on the podcast the account, short. we have an incredible musical number that I recommend you go take a listen yeah you should check it out it's um should be posted right below this um should have a intriguing title and it's not too long so check it out um you'll hopefully see what we're talking about right there um Um, yeah all right let's get into it let's get into it we can start with lion's roar which is our first topic here um there's many things to discuss but the first thing at the front of my mind is nespa and advisory so going first to nespa based on my own personal experience of it which i did online and it was like the coolest thing ever um we're not allowed to go i guess from the school mm-hmm. what are your thoughts are you dis- were you excited i think it was gonna be in orlando was it really? I thought it was in um, somewhere I had in my mind, the middle of the United States somewhere, like, or maybe like southern somewhere, but not as south as Florida. It like, was gonna be in Orlando last year. I don't know if it was this. I thought it was this like year Indiana too. Indiana or something. Well, I, I sure hope it was in Indiana. I guess I'm not that upset. It's canceled. <laughs> if it was gonna be Indiana, I'd much rather go to Orlando. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so, are right, you want to explain what Nespa is? Yeah, sure. So Nespa is. Um. Honestly, I'm not sure what it stands like. It stands it's for like, something. It's like, it's like a national, national scholastic press, press association. association. <laughs> you could be getting these all wrong, by the way. But pretty much, based on my experience and my sister's, it's my sister who went in person. But based on my own personal experience online, you pretty much go to workshops, um, based on media, uh press outlet type thing so it's not all newspaper but there's a lot of different things you can participate in like i went to a really cool seminar on movie reviews which was super interesting and useful and i actually talked to some of the people who spoke afterwards like i messaged them they Mm. gave their emails um and also i think one of the most useful things while this is maybe not the most fun thing uh you get like an expert for someone who's from either a real publication or a really good school like a really yeah. successful school publication mm-hmm. they read over your uh newspaper Articles. are they oh the newspaper they, okay. so they give design feedback and article feedback um and that's just a super interesting insight and i think it's really a loss that it's not that we can't go this year um i think we can still participate online maybe because mm, yeah i'm not sure how it's gonna happen so i don't know are if you had said this but it's um nespa is like a it's like a national gathering of student journalists uh, yeah. as part of their like school newspapers um oh and i forgot there's like awards um yeah so one thing that so nespa is like a convention that happens for a few days um i didn't go to it um in past years just because i was not part of the lions roar last year um, Ari did. He can talk about it. 
but Nespa is like multi-day. Um, as he said, you talk about things that are newspaper related and non-newspaper related, which I actually didn't know, but it's very cool. Yeah, there's like um, I think some podcasts even go like not just school, like just oh. school podcasts. That's cool. Um, I know there's definitely like some like Denebola Denebola goes to oh. um like media type things that aren't necessarily newspaper yeah um which is pretty cool um and also the cra- one of the craziest things about when it was online is there was like a public chat for all the schools and it was so <laughs> chaotic and, and they were just like it was ridiculous this is getting off topic a little bit, but do you yeah. remember when there was a public chat for all 2,000 kids of yes, Newton I South? Do. And there's a really good documentary about it. <laughs> I saw it. it. It's so good. <laughs> it's so, it's so good. Yeah. Can, Can I talk about Philippe? that? The documentary? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, everybody has got to know about this by now. I mean, yeah. that fateful night on March something of 2020, very beginning of the pandemic. Oh my God, I remember. <laughs> when, every, when there was a Schoology group made for all 2,000 kids, or at least... Maybe it was one of the groups that still exists, but at least the, every the kid had access. Yeah, every yeah. kid had the ability to make posts on it. And at one fateful night from about 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. was the most insane, bogus, inappropriate, hilarious, one might say, I would say, um... <laughs> Basically, people just going nuts and feeling crazy that they had the ability to talk to everybody, thousands of kids, teachers, the principal, Mistakes probably. were made. Dude, oh my god. So, so anyway, so this happened, and everybody kind of knew about it, but kind of didn't know about it, because that morning, before people had even woken up, everything was deleted. But this is how I knew about it, at least, is oh, because... Oh, no, I remember seeing it live. Oh, I didn't. I was asleep. I mean, the way that I figured out about it is because I had like a hundred something emails the next day. I was like, what in the world? Because what happened was every time I got a Schoology post, I'd get an email. And even though all the posts were deleted, I could still see my email that would say like, you know, student, first name, last name, posted, you know, insert inappropriate (laughs) message here. I mean, people were like linking websites that they should not have been linking. (laughs) I think... You know, I got a I got a story that 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 was crazy. And right around the same time, there was um a freshman group chat uh for NMC, which is what I participate in now for English, and it's okay. super fun. Um, but it was open to like a lot of people, and it was like a message, you know, uh, private messages. Oh yeah, it was open to about two hundred kids, <laughs> and I didn't get in trouble. But I was I, I forget I was just sending like some joke stuff like I was sending like entire book trans transcripts that would take oh, up the entire page. My God. <laughs> but but um, the funniest part is like I didn't send anything bad. But the, the dean called me in and I was so scared I was gonna get in trouble. And they were just like they were just like Are you okay? Like why are you sending? Because they were so confused. Yeah. <laughs> because it was before the the big thing. So like oh so, like when was it? um like a week before oh wow so, oh it's so like really before yeah, so and, I, like, and i wrote like a joke paragraph about like uh the illuminati and newton south just as a joke mm-hmm. which i very much regret because i don't think it made the best impression on my teachers but um <laughs> in retrospect it was a bit funny yeah for freshman no me. of course yeah and um so the thing that's funny about this event that happened one night is that um people kind of you know it happened it was the talk of the town for maybe a few days after maybe a week 
And then um, a while after, I don't remember how long after, um, someone made a documentary. Was it for NMC? Um, yeah, it was for NMC. It's actually the co-leader of Film Club with me, Philippe. Oh, that's cool. Um, so there's I. So I was on the Denevola website to you know see what we were up against. Oh, is it on the Denevola? Yeah. So website? so then I um I forget what this what the video is called. It's like it's like one school. It has something. a very dramatic title. Something. And it's like a 16-minute video, and it was night, and I was like, all right, I'm curious. I'm going to see what this is about. So I click on it and watch it, and I kid you not, I was dying laughing the entire time. I was admiring so much. Was What did you say his name was that made this? Philippe. Philippe? I think he worked with other kids, but I, it was like Philippe's project. Okay, that is so, so well done. If you have not seen it, you got to see it. It's incredible. It's like... It's a real documentary. It's twenty minutes. It's funny. It's hilarious. It's entertaining. It's meaningful. It's they somehow the people featured in the documentary managed to bring meaning into an event that was literal chaos. It's really there's teachers on it. There's some of the funniest students in the school. Really, I mean, oh, I remember. I remember um, watching it, and then I sent it to everybody that I knew. I was like, watch this right now. Everybody was like. Aiden, we've already seen this. I was like, how have I? How am I late to this? But then also, this is well. this is awesome. Like, I was this is so great. I was like, made me feel so happy. Yeah, it's a it's a really well made documentary, and that also goes to show like really the power of NMC. Yeah, um, that something like that can be created as a project in classes. So cool. which, so are you are you in NMC right now? Yeah. What I'm grades is that for? Is that ninth it's, or tenth through? It's tenth and junior or sophomore okay. junior and what classes does it link again it's english history so essentially if you know global like global is english history linked and they're just linked um and ours is it's sort of like some people say it's for the community which i partially like obviously it's for the community but global also has a community mm-hmm. the coolest part about it is not really the linking or the linking of the classes is pretty cool but like the coolest part is that every assignment is pretty much always project-based. Mm. So you do get tests sometimes, but to demonstrate your understanding of like a thing, for example, um, the most recent project we did is in history class. We, we Did you guys, I don't know if you guys learned about Supreme Court cases and like the, free speech. Like the Marshall Court? Uh, no. Like recent Supreme Court yeah. cases? Yeah. No, we haven't done so, that. So we're obviously, well, we're not a push, so we're not really oh, doing yeah. it in order. Right, 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 right. But um. Our project was a group of eight kids would make a documentary about a certain type of uh, legal controversy and the Supreme Court's uh, rulings on it. So, like, my group did free speech, and we talked about uh, hate speech Hmm. and what the past Supreme Court rulings have said um, and sort of our opinions on it. And it was, like, super fun, and we, like, pretended to be uh, history experts and, like, had really nice camera equipment from our teachers um, and then instead of in class, you know, writing papers or, uh, taking, I mean, we took notes, but instead of doing all that, we got to actually make something, which is just something super cool and, uh, something super unique about South. Like I've never seen that anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And so you did that last year as well? Yeah. Um, last year it was a bit different because, uh, it was online mm-hmm. and also, um, I think there was some issue with, uh sort of like what was happening with a uh, teacher situation because um, my teachers actually did a really good job for online, but they also had never done it before. And like, we couldn't get equipment yeah. uh, from home. Yeah. 
so that, that was annoying. Sense. But this year, um, it, I have Mr. Weintraub and Mr. Rinaldi who started mm-hmm. the program, and it is like so so amazing. Um, so, I really appreciate it. So, like, what are you learning about in history right now, for example? Yeah, well, we can talk about that. Although I do want to hear more. So, what you're learning? Um, but right now in history and English, in English we're doing um, reading of some classic American more modern literature like we're reading the bluest eye by tony morrison which is oh, a very heard of that. difficult book but we it's read, um, really good we read a passage for that in english last year learning about um learning about like how to make your writing more interesting basically we i remember we uh, looked at one of the passages from the bluest eye um and we i don't know this is we circled all the verbs and we yeah, were like yeah. and our my teacher mr robertson was like this is where the power comes power. from not from the adjectives but from the verbs and then we looked at it and i was like oh yeah that's pretty much what we're doing right now we're like right now we're practicing close reading i think is mm-hmm. what we call it where we really dive deep into analysis of passages but oh the book is incredible so we just read that we're reading that right now we're like halfway through we just finished everything i never told you um and we watched uh we read a james baldwin short story and watched i'm not your negro and what else um, you know, we're kind of just learning about literature and then in history it's linking because we learned about, um, antebellum, you know, reasons, causes for the civil war, mm-hmm. which we just had an in-class essay on. But, uh, one of my favorite things is that the classes are super connected. So like, if you're really interested in your A push thing, um, one of my favorite parts about history is that if there's something super interest, something that I'm super interested in, I can then use it in English class. Like, Frederick Douglass, who is yeah. like an incredible writer, yep. like his own writing is so good. That's something I could then write an essay on in English class, mm-hmm. and I would they, it would count as an English and history work yeah. instead of the classes being disconnected. That's cool. Um, Do you want to tell me what you're doing? Sure. Okay. So, for those who may be a little confused, like what why I'm talking about history is kind of boring. No, it's not. History is very interesting. Um, before we sat down, Ari and I made a short list of. Uh, things we wanted to hit on um and one of the things that i had said beforehand is that i want to talk about um what i'm learning in a push right now because i find it so interesting um so you say you were doing like antebellum yeah periods definitely not as in depth i think as you like uh more generally and less on specific dates but Mm -hmm. you know what i mean but i want to hear about yeah so antebellum is means before the Civil War, anti is before, and bell, we learned from English class, thanks Mr. Kennedy, that means war, so before war is before the Civil War. Um, and the things that we're learning about right now, um, previously we talked about more like political movements, or um, recently we talked about uh, like social reforms, we have a project about that that we're doing um, tomorrow actually, um, but one kind of a little, it was like a little bit different what we were learning about was um, the art and literature and like paintings, that's art, um, from that time period, which I thought the was... The anti, anti-bellum? Yeah, period. yeah. So like, um, so the way that we started class is by listing all the great, like, like what would people note as some of the major changes that happened during that time period? And we made a list and we circled some of the important ones. And she was like, okay, do you see these causes? This is what sparked this kind of art movement. So we're learning about um, transcendentalism. Um, 
basically it's like i don't know how much i care to get into it but basically it's like connecting with nature and like the power of the individual over like uh society um like factories uh industrialization that kind of thing um and we looked at some really cool paintings we read um excerpts from stories um particularly by these two guys uh henry david thoreau and um ralph waldo emerson emerson yeah Yeah, um we just we read i've heard of them um i didn't really know who they were um ralph no other guy henry david thoreau wrote this book walden because he lived near walden pond which is right near us and he lived there for two years or something um to like escape civilization, which our a push teacher. Did you read the whole book or just? A no, no, we just sorry, we just read like an excerpt from it. Um, and my a push teacher pointed out the irony in that the fact that his civilization, like his little his not a civilization, his like camping hut, was about a mile or maybe two miles from the city, so we could get like from like a big central city of like Concord or something. So we could just get um, supplies and like stuff from his friends. So it wasn't like totally isolated, but still, I thought the ideas were really cool. And we looked at some of these paintings, which are really like mystical and powerful and magical almost. Um, and I kind of got interested. I was like, "Ooh, this is really cool." So then I started, um, I started like googling um, books about transcendentalism. Like I'll never read them, but I like found right. a book that's like six hundred pages that like you know. If that was something, if I was like crazy, yeah, I'd read it. But when's the last time you've been to the MFA? Oh, not recently. Because I used to go all the time when I was a kid, um, and I liked it, and at the same time didn't like it because I was a little kid and I wanted to run around. Mm-hmm. But going back, especially with like appreciating what I appreciate now and with context that I've learned from class, like for example, French class honors French has taught me a ton about art yeah because we did a, a unit on art vocabulary so, so we had to do yeah. research projects which is something that i would never have expected to learn art about mm-hmm. but uh going back to the mfa is sick like the mfa is so cool okay that's actually um, good to know i so i re- yeah. i really recommend going back and they have all like cool exhibits all the time and one of my favorite things is there's paintings of uh like paul revere uh there's like a painting of him and he's holding like a silver pot or something and then the pot's right next to it. Oh, wow. Like the actual pot. And I remember learning about it in fifth grade, wow. going on a field trip. And I went back like a month ago. I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Um, and another thing I thought you might appreciate is in English class, there was something really cool where uh, Toni Morrison's writing was described in the context of art. And like her writing was, uh, we had like a, uh, Mr. Weintraub gave us like a, a painting um, and it was a tiny little square of a painting and he was explaining that one of the things that makes her writing so good is the omission of details um, and the exclusion of certain things because of how it allows the reader to interpret the story mm. and it like compared certain art styles to other art styles comparing writing styles to other writing styles so, like uh, for example everything I never told you in contrast to Toni Morrison there's like a huge difference in the way that the work is presented and like representing that in a painting I think is super cool. So you're ta- so is that do you mean like um like obs- like learning about Toni Morrison's style like comparing that to other books yeah. like in the context of looking like at a, one painting compared to another Yeah, painting. exactly. So like 
and a style specifically. Okay. So like I think a good way to re- uh, I think it was represented as impressionist paintings, which is like Monet. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be like a painting that's a representation of life using colors and sort of more unique styles past like the classical styles to represent uh, natural life. That maybe is everything I never told you. And I think this might have been the example we got in class. And then Toni Morrison is like the bottom right corner of that and just like a square because you can't, like you almost can't make it out, but it also has such a unique style because it's not representing just a single thing. If that makes sense. It's hard to... I'm yeah, no, I kind I'm, of... I'm giving you a visualization without a photo, but... I, uh... I, I kind of... It's cool. That's, like... Um... That's cool. Was that from French class, or... That was English, that was English class. Um... And I don't know. Just, st- like, stuff like that, I never thought I'd want to learn about or care about at school, and now it's, like, so interesting to me. Yeah. You mean, like, like art history art, kind of stuff? Yeah, you know, just, like... I've always enjoyed English and history, but I never thought I could enjoy school as much as I enjoy it now, oh, to that's be really honest. Good. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. when you're learning about stuff you really are interested in, mm-hmm. even doing the notes for homework is fun. That's like that's Interesting. How, that's how I feel. Like, I, if I'm reading about something I think is cool, like, that's cool. I don't mind doing it. Yeah. Um, one thought that I've had um, going through this year is starting to think, like, junior year of high school or just this age... Um, I've started to think that this is the year where we really start piecing things together. Like, mm. like in, uh, in history, we can really like, now's the year where we can actually read complicated text. We can look at complicated political cartoons. We can have intricate and nuanced debates about history in science. We can learn about you know, various types of, right now we're learning about evolution and biology, but we can learn about various types of, like, I mean, lots of different things. Um, English, we can, like, write analyses. We can read complicated books. Math, I'm finding the most so. Really? Where Well, math, I'm finding the most so, where everything is starting to kind of, like, I feel like we're moving now. Like, I feel like... Um, the kind of things that we're doing are like we're picking up the pace we're like we're learning some things that are, i find really really interesting like we just i had my uh test on uh polar coordinates um today like polar um have you learned about that no yeah um yeah i don't need to go into it but like it's like a lot of really um cool things that i feel like uh, our building and Although, now I feel like we're putting things together. You may be alone in that feeling about that class because I know some kids who are <laughs> really struggling. Right, 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 really, right, right. really struggling. Um, that's sick. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. School is really cool. Like, um, did you like school when you were younger? I've always been... You know what's weird is I've always been someone who likes school, but I don't think I've ever cared so much about the quality of my work and like learning as much as I do now like I never hated like obviously I always want to miss school but I never hated (laughs) it but up until this year I would try and get my work done as quick as I can and try Mm -hmm. and get my notes done to get an A but I would never do anything past to get an A but now like I'll have a notes document that isn't even checked it's just checked for completion and I'll write like way more than I need to just because I am super interested in it which is I guess something that 
I'm not usually like, and what's weird for me is like, I admire that you can do that in math because in math, like that's the one class where I can't do that. No, I feel like, yeah, you were saying that. I feel like math is especially the class which I can, like, like I'll go home after like learning about something in math and then I'll be like, I'll still, I'll be like, um, what's the word? I'll be like, uh, like breaking it down in my head. I'll be, um, rolling it around like these concepts um, and other things that I know, and then I'll like go home on Desmos and like just go nuts and like start trying to teach myself things or like watch YouTube videos. Uh, I know other people who do it a little more than I do, but just like that's sick. Just and to you're be not able... doing it for the grades or anything. Yeah. you're just doing it out of interest. I mean, I'm sure it helps with the grades. <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't hurt, you know. But it just there's something about um, there's something about learning something in school and then applying it to like not not even applying it to the real world like not even like looking at you know right now we're in Ari's basement like I'm like looking at a wall like I'm not trying to decipher polar graphs yeah, yeah, yeah. in Ari's wall but, but just to like come home like understanding just to like yeah just to, like find new ways of understanding it and to be interested enough where you can um you can like read more and like become more interested on your own time like i'm doing that with history now i'm doing that with uh science now i was reading about um we were learning about speciation like how new species form oh, and evolution so, so interesting so interesting and i was reading um about for a while actually a topic called abiogenesis which is basically how did the first life forms come to be because that was kind of that's kind of an unknown question in science that had that's there's some hypotheses for but none of which are so solid. And I was just like, I was just, you know, instead of going on Snapchat, which I don't have, or like, yeah, yeah, you know, watching... Watching TV, whatever. You know, like reading about things that are relevant and interesting and scientific, um, it's very fulfilling. I, t I totally agree. Um, I, didn't, I didn't think I'd enjoy biology at all. I mean, I wasn't even signed up to be an honors. Like, I was just going to breeze through it in ACP. Mm -hmm. But... I think it's like so. In One thing I have trouble with is when I'm writing labs, I want to write it like an English essay. I oh wanna, yeah. I want to make the language as rich as possible, and I want to have like an intro and conclusion. And it's re actually really hard for me to just write everything in technical terms. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because it, for most people, they find that writing easier. At least that's what I've heard from my t uh, classmates. Like they're lab like, report writing. Yeah, they're like, it's so easy. You just you just write a few sentences. And for me, like, <laughs> I sit down to write my lab, and I want to write like an intro paragraph about the implications of it on the world. But, That's cool. And then my teacher is like, Ari, this was supposed to be five sentences. <laughs> Why is it five paragraphs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's literally what happens. Um, which honestly, I I could probably have worse issues than yeah than that. Dude, does, is that the case in English? Like, do you write? Do you tend to overwrite in English? Uh, there's no. I don't think there's Dude. no such thing as overwriting. I mean, kids think I, people. I've been called tryhard very often, Ooh. but uh, that's just yeah. That, that's just who <laughs> I, that's just who I am. I can't. I can't not put effort into my thoughts if I'm interested yeah. in it. I mean, trust me. There's been classes where I have not put effort into my work, but just this year, I'm very interested in it. Yeah. Just something I just really appreciate. I think I also got lucky with teachers. Mm -hmm. um and not just teachers i think i got lucky with class decision like and i think you probably did too if you're enjoying a push so much yeah i am because uh i remember like i don't it could be me maturing but i think it's also mo a lot of it is uh the work becoming more interesting like i'm so happy that it is not 
here's a book, write the expository essay, and you do it like six times, and every book is the same book, just written slightly differently. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you, I really, actually, I don't recommend reading The Bluest Eye because it's really upsetting, and you, it's really, like, I think it's a book that you really need to be in a class to pick apart because it's so in-depth, but mm-hmm. if you get a chance to do it in class, it's... Like to read those books? Yeah, or the, like just the blue size specifically, but like those types of books and books in general that are not as I don't I don't want to say basic, but like being forced to read something that puts you out of your comfort zone, that is also really good is a super important experience. And like generally speaking, when I pick a book, it's something I'm already interested in. So reading something that I have not I have no idea what I'm getting into is like super cool. Do you think it matters whether or not you're made to read it or you read it voluntarily? Do you think one is better than the other if it's like the same book? Like, um, um, no, but I also think there's a ton of, like, I would never read the, I would never read the bluest eye, um, by myself unless someone like really recommended it to me. And I think that would only happen through it being pushed from school. Like, um, people around me give me book suggestions all the time, but there's something about doing it in class when it's a good book that is much more important to me, I think. Cause I read, because I, you know, like I'm not writing essays about books I read for fun. Yeah. So, I don't know. And I'm sure you'll, like, uh, I don't know if you've had that experience yet, but it's so cool. Like, just having a book in class that is a book you would read by yourself. Yeah. Um, we can talk about this. Um, Everything so a book, Yeah, so a book that we both just read. Um, okay, let's categorize this as our media review. Yes. So we have, um, for those who are familiar with the podcast, who... Hopefully is like more than two of you. Um, <laughs> we do a thing at the end of the podcast. Um, we're gonna make this a little one, sh- this one a little shorter, I think, called media review, where we talk about um, like media could mean books, movies, TV, articles um, that we've uh, both consumed. Plays, no idea. So something that we've both uh, watched or listened to or consumed somehow, um, and we're gonna talk about it. So. Ari led us beautifully to a book that we've both read for English class called Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. Um, I read it, I finished it about a month ago, I believe. Um, We read it for a good while. Um, I'm going to have to jog my memory a little bit. When did you read it? A month and a half. Oh, so even further. I I I think it was a little while ago. Um, it was like the first thing we did in English, I think. Um, but I do remember it, uh, quite well. So yeah, so because Ari, I know, um, one of the, I think I've said this before too, but one of the first articles of the entire Lion's Roar that I read, um, was one of yours and it was a review of Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng. So I know that you have, um opinions about her style and i know you've read her books and liked them in the past so what do you think about this one compared to those i think this is better than little fires everywhere for sure um but pretty much my ideas on celesting are pretty concrete in that i think she is one of the best depictions of modern day what it's sort of like to be younger and a teenager i think the characters are very realistic um and i think there's a lot of themes that go discussed in the novel um, that are not really discussed in most things that I've read in a realistic way. Um, 
my biggest issue with her, I guess, is that my favorite writing she has is in her flashback scenes and when she talks about adults and when she is not talking about drama and I sort of hate it when it goes into drama and I don't know how to explain it, but like the scenes where it's talking about, uh, you know, uh, there's uh, the kids' parents in high school or sorry, in college. Yeah. Um, the writing there, in my opinion, is so much stronger than the rest of the book. Even though the themes in the book are equally strong, the writing there is like my favorite, and I find myself wishing it was, that was the whole book. Yeah, like a flat, like a big flashback book. Yeah, which exists. I recommend reading *The World According to Garp*. It's right, a very good book. Okay. Um, but for that's like that's that's how I feel about because like I don't know. Overall, it's really good. It's one of it's a a book I really a good contemporary book that I really liked reading for school. Um, but I definitely have issues with it although to be fair compared to the bluest eye like the bluest eye is a much better book but also like it's a much better book and it's a much more upsetting book like it's way harder to read this book i also give it a lot of props for being something that isn't like deeply disturbing and yeah. still being really good yeah i think so my opinions of the book um i liked it um i actually don't think i have very strong opinions about it i thought um Compared to some of the other books that I've read in English classes in the past, um, this book was maybe easier to read. Like I think it may maybe was like at a slightly easier level than mm-hmm. some of the other books that I've read. Because um, I know we both read Homegoing last year. That's very that's a very rich novel with you know it's kind of complicated. It's got a lot of intricate themes going on. Yeah. Um, the uh, in the time of the butterflies, another novel that's very it's historical. I have complicated feelings on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, not like that. Book. I think we talked about that. Um, um, that is more. That's like also. I think was like just the level of the book was like higher. Freshman year, we wrote, we read um, a variety of Lord books. of the Flies. Mm, we didn't read that. Did you guys read Catch in the Rye? We did read that. That was that's I like that's like an I, essential. I still haven't read Catch in the Rye. I have a I had a stack of ten books that I read over the summer. Catcher of the Rye was the last Catcher in the Rye was the last one. But you didn't get to it. I think it's because it's a school book. I'm Maybe. trying to stay away from it. Yeah, and especially but that was over the summer. Yeah. So especially if you're like nearing school, yeah. you're not gonna read Catcher of the Rye for fun, probably. Do you like it? Uh, I thought it was I mean, I thought it was like very much exactly what every English book I've read has been. Like some people I remember some people in my English class were talking about it after where they were like oh my god this book like i could so relate with this holden caulfield i was meanwhile i was like because one thing one of the central um things we're talking about in catcher in the rye is whether or not holden caulfield is a reliable narrator i remember and like there was like a lot of debate going on is he a reliable narrator is he not why or why not and i was just thinking like why can't we like like, why is it got to be so complicated? Like, why can't we just read a story? Like, I, I know there was a lot to unpack there and probably a lot of meaning, but I I was not, um, it, it was not such a, like a, it was not like a light read. And this, this book, Everything I Never Told You, is also not a light read, but it's like the, it's more, do you know when it was written? Was it written recently? Very, I, it's like in the past 22 decades. Yeah, it feels like it was written really recently and it feels like, there's like modern references and the language is like uh, current and 
and it was really nice. It was like a book that we read that was like not so stressful reading. Like I remember sometimes in 10th grade, we'd have to do some like reading. Maybe we'd have to read 50 pages by a certain time. And I'm not the fastest of readers and I would, it would be really stressful and I wouldn't be able to fully comprehend it or I, it would be really stressful. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially cause I would leave my reading towards the end, which was kind of my fault, but, um, but like the style so and the you, tone, I liked it. You appreciated its. Uh, I appreciated the way the, that it incorporated deep themes and and meaning and an intricate story without being old. <laughs> I'd agree. I think there's something to be said. Like that might be harder to do it in a like to have such important themes go down easily might be harder for them than them yeah. to go down hard. Like it's kind of easy to make a book extremely upsetting. Like, so? I don't know, that was one of my biggest flaws with Homegoing, is I thought it used a lot of um, tragedy to make up for writing. That's so interesting. And I think this book doesn't actually use that much, I mean, obviously there's a tragedy, but I think it genuinely does a pretty good job of having really important ideas and themes conveyed through something that almost anyone can relate to and understand. Like, there's like ever a character, there's always characters in this, in the book that, in everything I never told you that you can relate to. Like, it's not one dude. Yep. To be fair, Homegoing was like many dudes and many women. And That's true. Many heroes. And... That was pretty, no, Homegoing was also pretty good. Honestly, I wish I read it now because I remember Zoom school was not the best time for me to be reading, but. Yeah. I'd, yeah, maybe in a few years. I'd like to look back on it, yeah. Um, that's interesting the way you were saying about, um, about how it's almost more impressive to incorporate like harder themes with harder language and being more um, tragic. Um, and I was thinking while you were saying that, I was like, Hmm, I wonder if that's like, do you think that's something about, um, the level of the book or do you think that's something about like the time that it was written? Like, do you think, I wonder if someone reading, um, everything I never told you, I wonder if someone reading that in a hundred years is going to be like, what is this oh, nonsense? That's such a good this point. This garbled old fashioned language. Maybe there's going to be a whole new, you know, uh, lexicon that people use and there probably will be. I mean, language is very, it all, it evolves. Um, as but, we can see from, you know, reading books from 1921, I mean, yeah, yeah. very old, very, very different. There's something that I always think about, and not necessarily just in writing, but is something being old and holding up the test of time mean it's better than something that's currently better? So I don't know if I explained that well, but I think a lot of times... Do you mean like music? I think everything. I think a lot of times stuff gets credit for being first, um, but if something comes along that's new and better, which I think happens in writing sometimes, like there's a lot of old classic books that I'm not convinced are that good, but they're very good because they're classics. Does something being a classic really mean that it is better for someone to read in school than one that's recent? Like, I don't know. That's sort of how I feel about a lot of the books I read freshman, sophomore year. Like, I mean, they changed the curriculum a lot. Like, I actually think it's a lot better now. But I don't know. I'm trying to think. Great Gatsby, Catcher in the Rye. Uh, so, wait. I want to understand what you're saying. So, are you saying... I'm saying that I'm not sure how I feel about it. But, like, but the idea that... Um, stuff gets credit for being the first or early or old or lasting a long time does that mean it's better than something that's new uh even if they're like equally good or the new thing's better so are you asking that question or are you i'm like asking, do you, I'm asking do you, you kind of think. believe that like 
that a book that was written a hundred years ago that stands the test of time might be better than a so-called newer and better book that was written just 10 years ago? I don't know. Like, it's just something interesting to think about because I think in our school, most of my teachers pick one way. Actually, this year, they don't because we read everything I never told you and now we're reading The Bluest Eye, which are almost completely different books in that yeah. regard. But I don't know. I'm just interested in what you think because, like, I know a lot of kids hate reading old books and a lot of kids hate reading new books. Like, Yeah, um, well... Undoubtedly, reading new books is, I mean, just by virtue of the fact that they're new, the language is easier to understand. Um, I think this is actually, maybe this is a, something that's even too big for us to talk about, because I know that the English like curriculum in the English department is like working with this kind of question um, and has been for a long time, because like the question is, like, do we read classics because they're great books that help us read or do we read classics just because they were the most popular books written by guess who guess who old white men in yeah. america like is like i remember miss robertson again she was teaching us last year like we were looking at a, a list of books of um we were looking at a list of like the the best classics of all time or something and then, like, another list of, like, modern authors that were, like, oh, being reclaimed. we did that, too. And, like, you know, looking at the racial and gender makeup of these people, like, we had a conversation about, like, what makes a book classic and, like, or what puts it in the literary canon. Uh-huh. Um, so, to answer your question, I would say... I would say... It's difficult. In my opinion, I think a mix is good. I think you want to get exactly. I think you want to get some books that are, um, you know, the classics. Like, th there's got to be some. Like, maybe I'm not the best person to be talking about this because I didn't extract a whole lot of meaning from the older books. Um, but like. Yeah, I'm just not sure. Like, there's got to be something about teaching those older books that's like oh. very valuable. Maybe it's the fact that teachers have been teaching them for so long that they kind of they kind of have their way of getting around it to teaching certain materials. Like, giving them a new book, they have to like, you know, like, it, it, like imagine how. I mean, you you and I both know how hard it is to read and go through the English curriculum for a book, like um, how much detail there is. Like, imagine reading a book and then having not to just answer the questions, but to create them. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a that's a fair point. And I totally, like, and honestly, I'm not convinced that the reason we read a lot of books in the, that, that I've read in the past are because they're good. I think a lot of them were, be, like, Lord of the Flies. I don't know how to feel about that. Like, I don't, I don't know if we read it because it's a classic or because it's really important for people our age to read. Because to a certain extent, I liked it a lot, but I think it also alienates a lot of people. Um, but I guess my, but like, I don't know. Once you get, I don't know when you, if you'll read it, but The Bluest Eye, well, that was the turning point for me where I guess I sort of realized that 100% it is, uh, there's definitely merit to something being the oldest and the first. Like, Bluest Eye. It's probably the best thing I've ever read wow. at this point in my life, and I'm halfway through it. The writing is, like, unparalleled. I read a lot. Like, I read for fun a good amount. It's really good. It's not my favorite book by any means. It's far too upsetting. 
But, <laughs> but so maybe the fact that you think it's so upsetting, I mean, you're only halfway through the book. Is it like a thick book? The, I mean, the book, like on the back of the book, it's literally about um, like a bunch of girls, like uh, African-American girls growing up in America. It was like about racism and like the, the pretty much the main character's father rapes her. And that's like the biggest plot point of the book. And, like, you know that from the first page. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, if that's the main point of the book, it's quite upsetting. Um, yeah. And, like, by no means is it my favorite book, but it is so good. I, ho- I hope you get a chance to read it. Okay. Um, yeah, maybe I will. Um, I can add it to my to-read list. That, I, and, I really, uh, what's the one that you keep saying? The Great Garb? Oh, uh, The World According to Garb. It's, Garb, okay. That's a, I don't recommend reading The Bluest Eye by Yourself, but I recommend reading The World According to okay. Garb. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you'd recommend like that my English class was to read The Bluest Eye? Oh, God. I hope so. I <laughs> hope you get a chance. I hope you get a chance to. Because um, it's it's really good. Um, yeah. Great. Okay. This episode was meant to be a little bit shorter, but ends up it's 45 minutes. So I think it's been daisies. a fruitful conversation. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I was like looking at the clock. It was like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I was like, all right. Maybe we should start wrapping it up. And then we started talking about these things. I was like, I'm going to keep going. So, yeah. Um, okay, well, you know, as we see the clock, 44-something. Um, um, go check out the our song. Check out our song. It's so good. Oh, my God. Streaming now on all platforms. It, Come to our concert. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, um, bye, everybody. See you next time. Lions Row Podcast is out.